Like we all have this fear that, okay, if I surrender to God, he's not going to give me the desires of my heart. But that's not Mm. what the word says. The word literally says the opposite. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Come on. It says everything will be done in your name. But it says that right after he talks about abide in me and I will abide in you. So it's this thing of like, yes, you ask not because you have not because you ask not. But then right after that, it says, and you don't get what you ask for because you ask to spend it on your own passions. If what you want your finances for are specifically to have the big house, but not help anyone, not provide for the kingdom of God, you just want your own pleasures in and of themselves, no other purpose, no other end to what you're doing, then number one, the impact you have stays here. It's not eternal. And number two, like, of course, of course, then, you know, your life is hollow and you're also not going to get what you pray for because you're not praying for it in the right spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there listening is doing well today. Thank you so much for tuning in. With me on the show today is career coach Patricia Ortega. Sister, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being on the show. Where are you joining us from right now? I am joining you from the beautiful state of Texas. Okay. Okay. So I was just in Texas actually like last week. Um, and as has been brought up on this show quite often, I am not a Dallas Cowboys fan. So it was really uncomfortable at certain points for me to be in some of the places I was going. Oh, people are diehard here. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, <laughs> it is a lifestyle for sure. It was, uh, I was very careful in some of the things that I said. <laughs> I picked, I picked on a few people. I, I picked on a few people, but I, I remember I had to get back to the airport to get back to Cleveland. So I didn't push it too much. <laughs> oh, oh my, my husband always wears hats with teams on it, you know, sports teams, but yes. he's not a big sports person. He just likes the hats. Right. But always, always, everywhere we go, someone either like gives him a compliment or tries to pick a fight because of the team. And he's like, I don't even know what team this is. <laughs> like I just I just like the hat. <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually look to physically fight anybody. I was just more so letting them know <laughs> that the Dallas Cowboys will not win the Super Bowl this year as they don't win every year. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> This is a terrible way to get this podcast started. I have got to stop insulting Dallas. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Loyal fans, loyal fans. <laughs> That's how you find out who really loves you. Here, I'll, I'll balance it out. The Browns aren't going anywhere either, so it's just fine. It's <laughs> and matter, go. and neither the Denver Broncos. For anyone who knows, I'm a Broncos fan, so it's just all around been a terrible season for me anyway. So, <laughs> I am I am going to go ahead and dive right into it because you have a life story and a career that I definitely want the the audience to hear. So, um, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about about yourself, your background, where you're from, where'd you grow up. Yeah. So I'm from California. I grew up in um, the uh, Inland Empire, for those of you who know Southern California. And then I moved out to Orange County and was living in Orange County for a good solid while while my career took off. I got my education in Orange County, well, Orange County, LA area. Um, But then, you know, I got married. And a couple years later, we ended up moving out here to Texas. And originally, I was in education. I was doing career, academic, and life uh, success counseling and teaching classes. And, you know, as soon as I got my tenure, I don't know why or what, but this is what God planned for me. As soon as I got my tenure, 
I ended up, you know, leaving the university setting to now starting a coaching practice. Okay. So were you always following Christ? Were you always a, a Christian? Like what was life like growing up for you when it came to, in regards of a faith? Yeah. So I, I had a really crazy upbringing that, that I used to think like, you know, oh, it's just me who goes through this and come to find out, you know, we all have crazy stories sometimes, but, um, my mom suffers from schizophrenia and she has since I was young. And when I was four, her episodes and her hallucinations and all of those things, they kind of latched onto me as like the target. And so it was really, really terrible uh, childhood, but there was a time now, you know, say what you will, but I, I fully believe this is true. There was a time where I was playing with my brother and I remember kind of my attention being drawn up to the roof and I kid you not, I see, I've never had this before or again in my life, but I saw Jesus mm. sitting on my roof, just kind of looking at me with this look of like, a lot of bad stuff is going to happen, but, but you're going to be okay. Like I'm going to be with you. And so I didn't know, I mean, I'm young, so I'm just like, oh, Jesus is protecting me, you know, like no big deal. Um, so then, you know, fast forward five, six, seven years, there's been five, six, seven years of abuse, you know, all kinds of abuse, um, just crazy stuff. I, I would share stories if we have time, but it's just some crazy stuff. But, um, but I would always, you know, she would pray the, the rosary cause she was Catholic. She'd pray the rosary with me in the evenings. And after a horrible day, it was like, oh, now this person who's abusing me in every way possible is like, come pray, you know, so it's really odd. So I would pray with her, the rosary, it didn't really mean anything to me. Um, but then somehow I would go into my room, open the window, kind of stare up at this big tree that we had and just pray to Jesus, like, mm -hmm. like I knew him, but not through my mom. It was just the most interesting thing. But I would just pray, you know, not so much that he would take me out. I would just pray that I wouldn't go insane. Like, I just need you to not let me go insane. Um, and so it's the weirdest thing, you know, crazy all the way up until I was maybe 11. And then at 11, um, some other things happened because she always thought that things happened between my father and I, which they never did. Mm -hmm. But that was her why she tormented me all the time. And so finally at 11, I was like, fine. Yes, all of it happened, everything you say, all the gory details, everything. And so then she had me memorize this story that she wrote down for me. I went to the judge. Anyways, um, we went to the back of a Kmart and I actually saw my dad get arrested and, you know, the desperation in his voice as he was like, no, she's lying to you. I've never done like, what are you talking about? And so he got arrested and, um, I didn't know what that meant. I just know, well, my dad's not here. I'm not even allowed to look at him when we're in the house. I'm not allowed to talk to him when we're in the house. So I didn't really lose much. But then my mom would make comments about what happens in prisons and all of that once folks get convicted of such horrible things. And it just kind of clicked for me like, oh, this isn't just he's going away. Like, this is serious. And so then the next time I went to the child psychologist, I like told them everything. And so then they had me go to court, this whole drawn out process. And at the end of all that, they finally agreed that, yeah, no, all of this is fake. None of this happened. But somehow they put a restraining order on my dad and they let my mother keep the three of us, my, me and my two brothers. Um, and so it was just more abuse because now she's angry because I didn't, you know, I didn't follow through with the plan. And so um, it was just 
progressively worse until um, I turned, I think, 16, 15. I got a, a car. Um, I had my, you know, permit. And, you know, she then turned her psychosis, I guess, her, you know, the, her episodes, they were on me, but she was now, since my dad wasn't there anymore, she had turned them sort of in the direction of my brother. And so I just couldn't, I was like, I'm not doing this again. And so when she did that, she made a comment, um, a very inappropriate comment. And so that night I was like, I'm done. So I just packed up my little, my clothes, just like you see, you know, on the cartoons and a little pillowcase, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I stuck it all in my car and I just drove away and I was like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. So I just lived on couches, like friends, couches. I think for like a week I was doing the, you know, um, the like, I'm homeless living in my car, taking a shower at the gym kind of situation. Um, but that was very short. I've been blessed with many families who um, have taken care of me. Um, but then fast forward, I went to grad school. And um, after all that, a friend invited me to church because my life, I just had messed up my life. I thought I was so smart, you know, and everyone gives you the compliments of like, wow, your story's so inspirational, oh, all this stuff, right? And so what happened is I grew this false humility mm. and this arrogance within myself that I wouldn't show because that's not inspirational. So you're humble on the outside, but you're arrogant and prideful on the inside. And that was me. I got myself here. I got out of this. I got out of that. I overcame, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so with all that pride and arrogance, just like the word says, that's how I felt. Like I just, my life became a mess. I was living with some guy at the time. I was living with a boyfriend at the time. Um, it was just a mess in every way possible. He was a smoker. I had dated folks in um, in in jail. I had dated, I mean, drug dealers, like all over the place. I was everywhere. So I realized I've made a mess of my life. And so I gave my life to Christ. A friend asked me, do you want to read the Bible? And we went through that whole process. And I remember being... You know, I was sleeping. Um, I think I'd moved out of the boyfriend's house by that time. And I just realized what a mess I had made of my life. And so I gave my life to Christ and I'm just like crying out to him. And I just hear almost audibly, I just hear enough. But that enough didn't feel like an angry, like stop crying. It was like enough. Like I'm I'm done watching you suffer. And so I just like stood there like who is that? You know, like, is that you? Um, and in that moment, that's when I told God, like, I give you everything. Like, I don't just give you my faith. Like, I give you my faith. I give you my Monday through Friday. I give you my relationship. Take it away if that's not what you want me to do. You just tell me what you want me to do with my money, my job, my my everything, and I will follow you. And that was just a start of of the rest of my life, really. He's he's re-raised me. He's undone so much emotional damage. He's undone so much, even financial damage. I was in so much debt, you know, being, you know, not having parents who kind of help you out while you're in college and and providing, using my financial aid and, and you know, credit cards and whatever to provide for my mom and my brother and take groceries and all that stuff. And I would like give her money and she would rip it up because that's like, that's what you do when you're not well. Right. Um, so he just cleaned everything up. And I've just, I've never looked back. And there isn't a time where he has asked me to do something 
where it's for selfish reasons. It's never like, oh God, it's just going to ask you to do something that doesn't benefit you. Even if it doesn't seem like it, every time he's asked me to do something, it's out of love for, it's out of love for me. It's out of love for, you know, my spirit. Even if it's like, do this difficult thing, he cares more for our souls than he does for our life here on earth. And our souls and our spirits are eternal and that's so much more important. And so that's kind of where he's brought me to now, what, 30 some odd years later. Wow. Thank you for, for, for sharing that. So you, and this was after grad school, you said you, you kind of started this, this process. It was like the last year of grad school. Um, Yeah. Last year of grad school when I gave my life to Christ. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. And did you, and I know you, and this is, that's a beautiful thing to even to share. Like, look at when I was in control of my life, look at where I was and then look at what happened when Christ came in and look at what, what he did. Oh yeah. So he put guardrails. I mean, where I had no guardrails, you know, it's like you're in this environment of control and manipulation and abuse. And you, you have to like lie. Like literally I got in less trouble when I lied than when I told the truth. And so I just learned Mm. things backwards and I had no, so when I left my mom's house after being manipulated and controlled for so long, I was like, I can do whatever I want. Insert four letter word. You know what I mean? Like it was just crazy. And, and I thought that was fine because, oh, I'm wise. Oh, I'm mature. Oh, I know what decisions to make. That will never happen to me, you know? And once I came to Christ, what I realized is he places boundaries for us and we may not like it. It's discipline, just like it says in the word, it's discipline. And we may not like it in the moment, but it's training to mature us and to make us wise in, in Christ, not in ourselves. Because being wise in ourselves, I mean, I'll be honest, it's, I made a mess of my life in so many ways. So the, the company you keep matters. So how, how long did it take for you to really like change the people around you and change the people you were interacting with? How, how, how long did you say that took? Um, some relationships went really fast Mm -hmm. and some relationships took 10 plus years. I mean, so one of them, the fastest one was my then boyfriend, which Mm -hmm. like any good father, he was swift to be like, "Uh -uh, (laughs) uh-uh, that's over, (laughs) you know? But um, I remember I had for him and you have to, you have to be, you know, Jesus, he's a gentleman, you know, like you have to be willing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things happen and something feels like it's ripped out of your hands. And that's one thing, but But at least with me, it was like, I didn't wait for Jesus to say, hey, you need to end this. I was like, what do you want me to do? You want me to end this? (laughs) Like, I was like, you tell me. And so I had asked him, and, you know, I was a young Christian, you know, like, this isn't something I would recommend doing, but I was young. I didn't know. And I was just like, God, if you're real, like I had doubts. And I was like, if you're real, I need to know if this guy is the guy that you have for me. Like, and I had never met a man who was willing to wait till marriage. I was in all the wrong circles. So I didn't know what a godly man looked like. And so as far as I knew, that was the best I could get. Right. And so I was like, I just need you to, to tell me within three days, because we're going to go to Vegas within three days. I need you to tell me this is a guy, but if it's not, then I need you to take him out of my life. I need you to do it with the next three days. I need you to do it in a way that I can't deny. 
I need you to do it in a way that I can't go back from. And three days later, we're driving. I can see all the signs. We're about to get, you know, get into Vegas or whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, you're not real. This whole thing that I'm doing, Mm. it's not real. And as soon as it happens, the phone rings. And long story short, it's the girl that he was with that morning. Oh, wow. So it was like a it was a mess. But by then I had decided to be celibate and follow God. So this entire time, all this mess is it's like it's like I was isolated on one side with God's boundaries around me. And the two of them had this huge mess. And I felt like I just came out unscathed. Like I was like, oh, dusted myself off. And I was not attached because I had decided to give my heart to Christ and to separate like physically, you know, to be celibate from this person and from everyone else. But then like any young, you know, naive woman, (laughs) Um, I ended up talking to him again, like a week or two later, and we were trying to work it out and all this stuff. And I don't know what I was thinking. Very, very unwise, very bad judgment. And so I literally was talking to God and I was like, well, you're not real because I said not only three days, not only that I would see it as obvious, but I said that I wouldn't turn back. And if I'm turning back with him, obviously you're not God. If you're God, you have control over my whole situation. So why am I turning back? Which again, not, I mean, childish, um, but God heard me and God knew what I wanted. And um, next thing I know, I hear that the woman is pregnant. Mm. And so I'm like, okay. And and this guy's like, we'll raise the baby, you know, this and that, we'll get married, blah, blah, blah. She won't be involved. Um, And I was like, no, I can't do that. And then he comes back and he says, I told her to have an abortion. And that that was it. Like that was the thing that I was like, don't tell her that. I this will never work out. Like if you this will never work out. I am so done. Like I want nothing to I want nothing to do with this. Like, and my whole world just spun. And I went into darkness and it would be easy for me to be like, God, why have you done this to me? You know, but it's it was a consequence of my own sin. And so I just I just went into darkness for like two weeks. I didn't go to work. I didn't go to school. I was just on my couch and I just couldn't believe what a disaster my life was. Um, and so, you know, eventually I came out of that, but that was how he just very swiftly took someone out of my life. And then there was other folks that he didn't. Like I've got a best friend who I still, I love her, but when my husband and I got married, you know, I, I knew he was going to sift her out of my life and I... It was almost like, I need you to be obedient and not go back to that relationship. And she had given her life to Christ. And it was one of those things where we were just in very different seasons. Mm -hmm. And it was necessary for her to grow on her own. Because we had been just almost like intertwined so much that it was necessary for us to go separate ways, to to go in our own journeys with Christ. Um, But it took a long time, you know, some two weeks and some relationships 10 years. I thank you that you even shared all of that. Um, You know, I really believe the Holy Spirit guides this podcast as far as like who the guests should be, the things that they should, the things that they share, because, you know, the the, the questions that they get asked, because we say this a lot on this show, but your testimony is for someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that, that God allowed in your life, he didn't allow because he wanted us to be hurt, you know, or, or he wants, mm-hmm. not that he wanted those things to happen. You know, it says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. You know, mm-hmm. and through the power of our testimony, we can now be a blessing or an encouragement or an example to 
insert any number of adjectives you want there to someone else. And, yeah. you know, I do, I do a lot of, of, of pastoral counseling and I tell people that when they are, you know, in coaching as well, when they come to me, I tell them the wisdom that I'm giving you is a lot of times coming from the places of pain. It's coming from, from the mm-hmm. tough lessons that I learned from not listening to wisdom because mm-hmm. I've, I've been blessed to be able to minister to a lot of the young men in our church. And I said, and we're, we just recently finished up a study um, called ask it by Andy Stanley. And it's all about okay. the decision-making. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite books. Actually, I've probably read it three or four times by now. Um, I've gone over that book so often that I, I kind of, I have it memorized in a lot of places at this point, <laughs> but to be able to, to have youth and wisdom is a, is a, is a powerful combination. And we're talking about youth and wisdom in the kingdom of Christ. So that's, I want to be clear about that. Yes, um, we're talking is. about youth and wisdom when, when following Jesus, it's a, it's a powerful combination to, to have. So mm-hmm. I thank you for, for sharing your testimony because what I really want to dive into now is also how you're using that now to be a blessing to others because you've gone into, um, to career coaching. So would you say that mm-hmm. you're, the things you went through, is that what really pushed you to get into the field of career coaching or how did you, how did you make that, that life transition? Yeah. Yeah. That it, I mean, that's, how do you know? <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's really what, what pushed me there. There came a point where I had this interview for my first semi-professional interview. And it was a really important interview. And normally I would never apply for something like this. You know, when you grow up and you have a tough upbringing and you're like, oh no, that's not for people like me. You know, I know that I know friends, I know there's someone listening who's like, I'm trying to go for this, but that's not for someone like me. Mm. That's for someone in a suit. That's from someone who grew up on the hilltop. That's for this person, that person, but not for me. And so that was me. I was in that mentality a hundred percent. And I had this mentor who she was like my mother. I absolutely love her. And she was just helping me to like live and survive. Um, And at the time she was the dean of students at my school and I worked for her and she was like, hey, there's this internship. It's called the James Bell Internship. It's really prestigious. There's only one in the entire university. And those who want to go into student affairs, like they go into it or whatever. She had me apply against all of my insecurities. And so I apply. And I'm sure she pulled some strings, but I'm going towards the interview and I'm like shaken. Like I literally am visibly shaking, waiting for the interview. I finally, I see all these um, pictures on the walls and it's all these people that are like in suits, they're older, they're well-to-do. And I'm just like, oh, and I feel like this tiny little Mexican girl, like that's what it feels like. And so I go in there. There's a very sophisticated lady, very well put together. And then there's the vice president of student affairs, of course, older man, suit, deep voice, very accomplished, very stern, but they don't get to ask me any questions. Hmm. The slender, very nice, sophisticated lady basically says, okay, tell me about yourself in the sweetest voice possible. And I saw none of that. All I heard was tell me about yourself. And I just felt like, okay, they can see everything. Everything Mm -hmm. I'm trying to hide from everyone else, she can see it and she's asking me to tell her about it. Like it just flooded my mind and I just, I couldn't handle it. Like I just started crying. I ended up excusing myself and I went into the elevator and I'm hyperventilating in the elevator and I'm like, I can't even handle one interview question. Like I'm working three jobs right now because- 
I can't get a good job. And so I'm working three jobs. I'm on survival mode. I'm never going to move up. I'm never going to move up in the world unless I can figure out how to like stand my ground, how to command presence, how to market myself, how to be in a room with a bunch of suits is what I used to tell myself. And it's not what it feels like now, but you know, how to be in a room with a bunch of suits and being able to still like hold my own. And so that's the day that I realized, okay, my goal in life is going to be to figure out this career thing. And so I ended up getting a master's degree and focusing on helping underrepresented students in engineering, um, helping underrepresented students in their career. And then I moved on to a faculty position at a community college, focusing on, you know, teaching things like resilience, mindset, success strategies, career strategies, life strategies, education, how to navigate complex systems, like all of these things. And partially I was helping that person that always reminded me so much of myself, but partially I was like, at the same time, when I get home, I'm in the back cave studying these things to move my career up, you know? And so after, you know, really figuring all of that out, that's how I got to, you know, uh, a really nice, you know, very, very good, secure six figures plus position. It was all through, you know, I guess, driven by that one interview where it was my biggest failure that now has turned into like the biggest success. And now I help other folks to get over those mental battles that kind of make them struggle a little bit on the way to a higher position. Um, And that's the goal is just to help, you know, those faith-based professionals to, to, you know, uh, just overcome those beliefs that make us think that that job is not for us. This is actually a question. I want to go back to something. So yeah. what, and I know that you said that obviously you gave your life to Christ and you, you, and you, you know, you were praying, you were seeking him, you were going to church. Were there any other additional steps that you took for your healing or during your healing process? I'm just, I just, I'm curious because for some of that question has hit my, my mind. So I figured I would just throw that out to you because obviously you're helping, you know, faith-based or faith, um, excuse me. Uh, Christians trying to really just thrive in their their careers, but mm-hmm. I, and you're trying to help them through their healing process. I'm just curious, what other steps did you take in your healing process? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think before I answer, I'm just going to differentiate one quick thing, or I guess clarify in my mm-hmm. mind. Um, there is the healing process that is a lifelong process, right? And there right. are moments where we are in crisis. And it may not seem like crisis on the outside, but on the inside, it's a crisis when you're constantly anxious, when you're highly emotional, when you you really can't focus. It's kind of like something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Basically at the bottom is your safety, your security, your physiological needs. So if you can't eat, that, that comes first. If you don't have a place to sleep, that comes first, right? But then there's like the psychological aspect of if your mind is still traumatized, still in crisis mode, then it's not yet time to work on that career piece. So there's like layers to it. And so by the time someone works with me, um, when we do a consultation, part of what I'm figuring now is, you know, where is this person um, in their journey? And sometimes their journey is I'm ready to take this leap, but there's like still crumbs there that we need to take care of that are affecting my career. But sometimes it's something like, okay, I just got out of this, you know, a physically abusive marriage. Um, It was three weeks ago. 
that's still crisis mode where it's better to work with a counselor to get that piece done. And then we right. can work on other parts of life. Um, so not having said that, um, the healing part, like the quote unquote crisis part, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I went to multiple counselors and I would go for one or two sessions. And for whatever reason, sometimes they would send me to a yoga meditation studio and I'd be like, mm, no, that's no, right. you know, <laughs> right. that's not something that aligns with my values. And so I would end up, they wouldn't understand that I didn't see those two in alignment, that they are in conflict with each other. And so because I didn't, they didn't see that I ended up just not going to counseling. And so instead I would say, okay, God, like, I feel like everywhere that I'm going for counseling, it's not working. So let me, let me spend time with you. And let me see what your word says. That changed my whole life. And that's part of the foundation of the coaching that I do. And that's how I think all Christians should live. Like I know there's a place for counseling and therapy and technique. Absolutely. But what God has shown me through my life is the healing that I needed was sort of a reliving of experience, but now in his love and following his word. And so a lot of what I did was, you know, taking, taking all the belief systems that I had that were causing me all this pain. And then I would find scripture that spoke to that. And I would read that scripture over myself. And this is things like, I'm insecure. So I would read, you know, you are a city on a hill, like you, you know, you're cherished, all these things, you're loved, et cetera. I would have insecurities about, you know, I'm too young, I'm this, I'm that, like just identity stuff. And so the more I would read scripture, the more, you know, it says that scripture is active and living and it cuts you to your core and it's good for training and rebuking, you know, all of that. And that's exactly what it did. And so most of what I've done is scripture based and it's, you know, there's moments where I'm just in my closet crying out to God because I feel a certain way and his scripture like will literally come alive and I don't know, like put something back together in me that it just is not an issue anymore. Um, and so that's been a big component. And then a few years ago, I also went through Celebrate Recovery, which is also a scripture-based program. Right. Um, I know some programs here, they call it Regen, which is very similar. Mm. Um, you can't go wrong with the root when the, the scripture is at the root of everything you do. Thank you so much for sharing it. I appreciate it. Yeah. That must have been the Holy Spirit throwing that question out there because that was, I appreciate you sharing all of that. So, no, you- Absolutely. And you just touched on this. So how do you then structure your career coaching sessions? Yeah. So career coaching, when you, so there's an academy where it's more of, let me give you some live or pre-recorded content. And then I've got like office hours and, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, handouts and things to kind of guide you along the way. So the career academy is a little bit more DIY during the week. And then in our sessions, I provide content, we'll pray. Um, We basically kind of share each other's sort of burdens or, you know, mindset issues. And then we talk about them, we identify scripture. Um, And then of course, there's all of the content related to 
you know, finding your brand, getting your career story down, uh, you know, reformatting and um, leveling up your LinkedIn and your networking conversations, all of that is in there as well. Um, but the one-on-one coaching is a little bit unique because I do kind of mold it to each person. The foundation is, you know, conversations where folks are willing to be challenged. That's the focus of most coaching conversations is where we talk in a very non-judgmental way because everyone has their own journey and there's value to all of them. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what happens is what we say, and this is a human thing, everybody does this, what we say doesn't always align with what we do, even on a microscopic level. And so as a coach, sometimes, and I see this a lot with networking, people are like, oh, I don't have a big network. And I'm like, okay. And then we'll come up with people, you know, who do you work with? Who do you, who'd you go to school with? Who's your family? Who's your neighbors? We come up with this really big list in the very next coaching session. Okay. Did you contact any of them? No, but cause I don't really have a big network. And then it's like, okay, let's put those two together. Let's type out that sentence so you can see it in black and white. Let's look at your list, you know? And so we go much deeper than that. Um, and for one of my prior clients, one of my first clients, actually, the issue was actually an issue of humility mm. that someone didn't want to ask for help and they wanted to do it on their own. But it was like a really deep seated um, thought or belief that they were like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to go network. I can't, I don't really know why I feel like I don't really need it. And after multiple conversations, it was like, oh no, God's humbling me and mm. my brothers and sisters have something to share with me and I can't get to the finish line where God wants me without interacting with the whole body of Christ. Like this isn't a one man show, you know? And so, so that's kind of the, the beauty of one-on-one coaching is that we can get like really in there and have some major like identity and life and personal breakthroughs at the same time that we're getting that career shift. Cause that particular client got a 60, $60,000 raise Oh wow! from 30 to 80 K they were an engineer and they weren't using their degree. And I'm like, Oh no, there's a reason for that. Let's figure that out. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's how we do it. So with all the guests on this show to anyone who's listening, we will be sharing your, your links um, and all of your information. Are you, and I should make sure I ask, are you currently taking clients right now? Yeah, right now is a great time. Actually, I do have a couple thoughts. And um, the reason why right now is a good time is because it does slow down. There's less people who are looking to get career coaching, but it's the best time for career coaching because in January, in February and March, that first quarter is when the positions start to come out. So companies that want to hire get their budgets at the beginning of the year. And so if you are ready by January with your resume, your LinkedIn, your networking, you have already had meetings, chances are you're in prime position to get those first, um, you know, those first positions that come out. I'm going to let you share this. Um, Talk about the uncommon career. Yeah. So the uncommon career, I've actually gotten some misunderstandings where people are like, oh, I have an uncommon career. I drive a truck and I fly and I do these things that are uncommon. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's amazing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is great. Um, but that's so, not what this means. <laughs> not exactly. Um, I think that's really cool. But what I mean by the uncommon career is that, um, you know, for most of us, we go to church on Sundays and we're, we say we're believers. 
I go to church on Sunday. I'm a Christian. And I'm like, that's great. How about Monday? What does that look like? You know, and so the uncommon career is really the concept that while most of us don't particularly enjoy Jesus in our pocketbook and in our careers where our you know, our finances come from the uncommon career is that career that's completely surrendered to Christ. It's come that on. career where he is the one that says, I want you in this position at this time and where you pray through it. Like everybody that I coach and the reason why I call it faith-based coaching is because when people ask me, how do you do this? I do it through prayer. I do it through surrender. And if, if we as a coach and client can get to a point where the client is surrendered to Christ that is what I do is I help people get into the will of God. I help people like get into, make an environment for themselves, hold themselves accountable and get into a position where God's going to move because God has placed them there. And so that's why it's uncommon because, you know, most of us just kind of, we go by the title or by the finances or by, you know, moving up the ladder, which is great. And oftentimes that is what God wants, but but sometimes God nudges you in a different direction and we just need a little strength to move in faith. And so that's what I help with. You said so much right there. Uh, it's, I don't even know where to start. So I'll just start with the, with the church piece. It's I, Christianity is a lifestyle. This is, mm -hmm. I, I break it down. You know, I go to church on Sundays. That's where I get the, the, the quote unquote, for those who are sports fans, where I get the game plan. Right. This is where we get the play. Yes. This, is, this is where yes. we figure out, OK, as soon as we step on the field, this is what we're supposed to do. And when you get yeah. and if you you have to execute this game plan for this game plan to work, Christianity cannot be Sunday. It, it can't no. be. It has to be seven days a week, 24 seven. That's practice. I, That's not the game. And if I don't read the Bible, it's going to eventually show. If I'm not praying, it's going to eventually show. And it might take. XYZ amount of years, but you can't live off yesterday's manna. You know, you can't live off yesterday's word. It's called daily bread for a reason. Like you oh, have so to be good. in that for you have to continuously feed yourself, especially, especially in the sense when you're now pouring into other people. Yeah. You you have a responsibility to make sure that you are ministering out of your overflow that you are not just constantly ministering on eat because that is a quick way for the enemy to take you out and maybe take you out is you just become so so tired so complacent so burnt out you're not doing anything and you're not a threat to him anymore you know yeah. or maybe take you out as you become so tired so burnt out that you go back to your previous life because it's just comfortable for you you know it's yeah. that's when you put your guard down that's when you put your guard down and what you said was so like i just want to go back to it because it was so good you mentioned that on Sunday, you get the game plan, mm -hmm. right? So I never thought of it that way. A pastor once said something that kind of like, it kind of clicked for me when you said that. He said something along the lines of, you know, you should spend time in the word every week so that on Sunday, you get the confirmation of what God has already told you during the week. Mm. So it's like how you said it works in both ways, right? Either one of them is to kind of, have your relationship with God so that there's confirmation on Sundays. But at the same time, it's also you get the you get the strategy plan on Sundays and then you implement it. You put it into practice during the week at work and wherever else you go on your Monday through Friday. When I and it could be because of my role there too. But when I mm -hmm. go to church on Sunday, I go there. Yes, I would love to get fed, but I also go there in preparation to minister as well. I go yeah. there, I, I I try to go there as often as possible, prayed up and ready 
to mm-hmm. to minister and that doesn't always mean speaking into someone's life and 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 addressing every issue they have that could also mean stepping in to the to the kids wing to help take the kids to the bathroom it could also mean yeah. helping take you know teach one of the lessons in the preschool we need to it may also mean prepare to help carry boxes in for for hospitality or or move or move water or clean one of the bathrooms or or what or shovel and salt the sidewalks we live in cleveland this is about to get Ah, real real soon it's about to get serious over here real soon with with mother nature you know so yeah just being equipped and sometimes you can't just always i'm not going to practice this week i'm just going to show up to play it doesn't like that you will burn out yeah oh and so so good oh my goodness so you're taught because I know some people who are listening are going to be in ministry or are in ministry now. And that is so important that when you're in ministry Sunday, Sunday is the game, but you've got to be practicing Monday through Friday. Like you said, like you, you can't be in ministry and have Sunday be the only day when you are spending time with God. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work. It doesn't work. And I, I think that again, as leaders, I'm not, you know, I have a responsibility as a leader, I have a responsibility to people mm-hmm. that, you know what, I'm going to put forth my best effort. So when you come to me, I do a couple of things. When people come to me, I always do a couple of things with it. Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this problem or I have this issue. Mm-hmm. Usually when they call me or they talk to me in person, I do a couple of things. I, um, I pray with them because I need to invite the spirit in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And because I'm assuming that the Holy Spirit had them come to me for a reason. It's the spirit in me getting ready to connect with the spirit in them. There's a reason why you're talking to me about whatever it is you're getting ready to talk to me about. And I mm-hmm. may not have the answer, but I know who does have the answer. I know that Christ yeah. has that answer. So I'm going to I'm going to bring him into the conversation. And then while they're explaining the problem to me, I'm praying. God, what do you want me to say? And mm-hmm. I'm praying in my head, not out loud. Like, what do yeah, you of course? What do you want yeah. me to say? And it took a minute to train my brain. And that's humility that. right there. Because otherwise, when you're not humble, you're looking for the answer in your head, right? Like, and much like you, when I was in control of my life, it was an absolute mess. It, I almost took my own life. I had my own gun to my head, sitting on my couch. So that's part of my story. That I know that I don't have the answers. So I refuse to pretend like I do. (laughs) Um, Wow. So how'd you? I mean, not to turn the tables on you, but like, how'd you get? What happened? How'd you? Um, one of the pastors from from New Life Church actually was reaching out to me in the moment that I was sitting there with my gun, and he didn't. And it was my the the weight of my sin just came down on me all at once. Like it was it was just too much. I had one foot in and one foot out, and this is the danger. This was the danger zone. I got one from mm-hmm. the church, and I got one foot out. You know, it was it was rough. And he called me, and he didn't actually know what was going on. He didn't know, and he was. I mean, he was rebuking me about some of the stuff that I was doing. But the spirit was piercing me. The spirit was piercing when he was talking, put the gun down. I told him about that story maybe about a month later. I said, You remember when you called me this day? He was like, Yeah, I said I was gonna take my life that day. And he he grabbed, he was like, What? He's like, I wouldn't have talked to you so harshly had I known what you were doing. I'm like, No, you said exactly what I needed to hear. I'm all That's about the spirit. I'm all about the truth and love. But some, but I'm more of the look. Just give me the truth straight. Just tell me how it is. Yeah, you can skip the fluff stuff with me. If if I'm doing something wrong, just give it to me straight so we can move on and and do this mm-hmm. and 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 fix whatever the situation is. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so and I know people you can't talk to, like you got to give them the truth and love. Like you have to massage mm-hmm. it a little bit. Like you can't just yeah. hit them over the head like that. 
I'd but there's a time be, and a place for everything, right? I, I need it. Sometimes I just need to be hit over the head. So I'm grateful God put yeah. some people in my life who have no problem doing that. Um, so Gosh, well, praise God for that. Yeah. Talk about a God story. But that's the short version of, of that story. But it's, it's also why you can't just go to church. And I, I'm one of those people. I love all aspects of the church, the physical building. But I also love going out and being the church as as well. So that yeah. that that logo behind me, that is what I live. That is that's not something I put on a banner. That's not something I just put on a hoodie. Like I believe that we need to strengthen the church. So we can go out and be the church. I think we can do a better job of being the church. And it's not just a Sunday morning or whatever, mm-hmm. Saturday night kind of thing. It can't, it can't be that. No, because the church is already there, right? The the body of Christ is already there, but it's going out and and reaching like Jesus did. He didn't go for you know the people who are already believers. He went for the sick. And you you said something else. I want to I want to touch on too is like you know we can't even function in our careers the way that the world functions. We have to function the way that Christ tells us to function. Mm-hmm. Holistic all over our lives. Like when you surrender your life to Christ, it was everything. It was every decision you were going to make. So he needs to be in your pocketbook. He needs to be in the TV shows you watch. He needs to be in the friends that you have for all of those reasons, because your life is no longer your own. Your life has been purchased by the blood of Christ. It's no longer, it's no longer yours. And I've taken jobs. I took a job once for money and, and a title. And I was mm-hmm. burned out after three months of being at that place. I was burned out. And in my head, mm-hmm. I took the job because I said, you know, I'll be able to provide for my family. I won't have to work for less money than this amount. I'll always be able to progress my career and move up, up, up. And I was a baby Christian at this point. I mean, I was young mm-hmm. and at this point. And I had a guy, he told me, he said, Eric, I got to tell you this. He said, I get where, what you're saying, what you thought you were doing. He's like, but you stepped on God's toes. He's yeah. like, it's God's job to provide for you. It's your job to pray and be obedient. He's like, he's going to, you either, you have, either you trust God's going to meet your needs or you don't. Either you believe God is going to take care of you financially and your family or you don't. And I was like, holy smokes. And ever since then, it changed the way I prayed about my career. Like, God, where do you want me to work? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And every, everyone thinks that, you know, I, I think, and I don't want to say everyone, but I'll speak for myself mm-hmm. and all the people that I have spoken to, right. that we all have this fear that whatever we give to God becomes poverty. <laughs> like we all have this fear that, okay, if I surrender to God, he's not going to give me the desires of my heart. But that's not mm. what the word says. The word literally says the opposite. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Come on. It says everything will be done in your name, but it says that right after he talks about abide in me and I will abide in you. So it's this thing of like, yes, you ask not because you have not because you ask not. But then right after that, it says, and you don't get what you ask for because you ask to spend it on your own passions. If what you want your finances for are specifically to have the big house, but not help anyone, not provide for the kingdom of God, you just want your own pleasures in and of themselves, no other purpose, no other end to what you're doing, then number one, the impact you have stays here. It's not eternal. And number two, like, of course, of course, then, you know, your life is hollow and you're also not going to get what you pray for because you're not praying for it in the right spirit. And I feel like a lot of people think, okay, well, when I do pray, God's going to say, take off your shoes, don't take anything with you and go into the world and just preach for free. Like that's not necessarily what God calls us to. He creates a purpose for each of us. And there's people, there's this guy, his name's Terry Looper. 
he has this book, it's called Sacred Pace, and he is a CEO of a very large Texas oil company. I believe it's an oil company. Um, But he surrenders every single decision to God. And that has gotten him to very high places in the business world while, like you said, not striving, not being burnt out. He lets every decision be at the foot of God. And God decides and tells him what to do with every decision, and he waits on God. And to me, that's just the epitome of having this career where it's surrendered to God, but it doesn't have to mean, I I think we all fear that if we pray and we give it to God, that he's going to give us something that we don't want in return. This is... I'm I'm not going to dive too much in this, but this is exactly why I tell Christians I'm I'm a big component for tithing. Every I have mm-hmm. seen Amen. the blessings and outpourings of God over my life because I've been faithful with that ten percent, and I've I've also seen the mess that came when I stopped tithing because mm-hmm. I'm like because I didn't trust God with with my finances, and I said you know what I'll have X Y Z amount of extra money if I just don't do this for a couple months, and then very interesting things started happening. You know, the light bill was more that month, or I had to change my tires, or my car broke down, or I had a flat tire, whatever. It was just crazy to me. (laughs) And then my credit card debt increased to numbers that are just unreal. (laughs) Wow. So I think that there is just, um, and I thank God that I'm debt free now. I thank God for that. Um, Wow, praise God for that. that. And he even even used me to, and this is all him to pay. He even reminded me, he's like, Eric, you owe people money from, from college that you, you know, you went to, you went to college back, paid those people back to, you know, good. there's nothing uh, better than having a clean slate like that. There's nothing better. Well, and I had actually forgot about it. Um, and it would come back and I forgetting it, come back and I forgetting it. It was like, you know, that whole delayed obedience thing, which is truly just disobedience. That's what I was just being a degenerate. Um, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's it's why I tell people, you know what, you can't afford if you you can't afford not to tithe. If you are struggling with material with being materialistic, increase your tithes and offerings. You know, and yeah. that's one thing I do love about New Life Church that if you are a tither at our church or you excuse me, you're giving tithes and offerings to our church, you have a right to go to our head pastor and ask to see the books if you're like, how are we spending our money? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And we actually we actually do a meeting yearly at the start of every year, just to say, this is what we spent our money on last year. Yeah. You know, I think my pastor drives a Nissan, you know, he's not pulling up in a Cadillac with alligator <laughs> shoes. Okay. Like we, yeah, just. No, it's know, important. So. That's so important. And it's, it's, you know, tithing's also in gratitude for what God has done for us. And right. I don't think there's a person on earth who can honestly and legitimately with an open heart say God hasn't done anything for them. Because God sent his son to die on the cross for all of our sins, of which we all have. And so that alone is reason to be like, not only did you die for my sins, but you also are my provider. How do you not How do you not ask for more than 10%? And that's because he's a good God. And I would encourage anyone in there who's listening in there giving, to me, the 10% is the base. Mm-hmm. That's the base. You know, that that's the base. But that's a... That's a whole nother podcast yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a whole other episode. Um, why do you think someone should have a, a career coach? What if someone said, Well, what the heck do I need a career coach for? Why what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say you can get a job without a career coach any day of the week. You really can. Mm, but that's here's real. the difference. Here's the difference. The difference is if 
you're able to negotiate your worth if you're able to strategize where you want to go. If you want to look long-term and get a career and not just a job, then the difference is that you've got every strategy under your belt. And think about this way. Every time you stack a strategy, it's like one strategy, another one, another one, another one. So what you're doing is you're stacking the odds in your favor and your odds of getting into a position that makes a lot more money is going to be a lot higher. So for example, I used to tell students, you need to apply for scholarships. You're in education. You might have heard this too, right? You need to apply for scholarships. Write an essay. If you get a $5,000 scholarship, you just got paid $5,000 an hour. If you spent one hour doing your scholarship essay and you get that scholarship, that was a $5,000 hour. Okay. Well, the amount of time and income that you spend on coaching, like my coaching starts at uh, 997, right? So, well, not the, the one-on-one starts at 997. Okay. So you're thinking, whoa, $1,000, that's a lot of money. And it's true. That is a lot of money. But I'll give you the, t- the first two case studies. These are the first two people I coached, the first two people that I coached. One of them went from 30 to 80K because they were in engineering. They had an engineering degree, had a few years of engineering experience, but weren't in engineering at the time. They went from 30K to 80K in one foul swoop. That's what, I don't even know, is that like an 8,000% return on investment in the first year, right? So let's say you get even just a $200. This is the most conservative raise ever. You get just a $200 raise from a career coach per month. You make an extra $200 every single month. It's coaching is paid off in five months, but you're not paying me every single month after this. This isn't a subscription. You paid for the service and now you can A, benefit from that every single year. So after those five months, every month after that and every year after that, you're making exponentially more. And every time you go for a new position, they're going to look at your previous salary. And now guess what? The work that we did to make you more money in that first month now pays off again because they're not going to offer you any less than what you were being offered. So for multiple reasons, it pays for itself. And the best part, part that I like the most is that the breakthroughs that I've seen through coaching, the the those like things that we unearth as part of the career process, I've had multiple people tell me that that alone was priceless. That alone was worth more than the amount that they paid on coaching. So it's sort of like, yes, I do career coaching, but we have these breakthroughs in career coaching and the the salary increase. That's kind of like the cherry on top. But of course, you know, we obviously, and I'm going to be honest with you, like, I don't say, hey, come have a breakthrough in your life or whatever, or in your mindset, because what we, what we need, what we believe we need in the moment is that, that next job, that next salary piece. But what I find most often is that what people really are seeking is the ability to see themselves the way God sees them, the way God created them, and to walk in that confidence, not just on Sundays, but in their career as well. So what does this what does this mean to you? If I say money, power, and title versus fulfillment of God? Okay, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. I would say that it all depends on context. In one context, there is no versus. It's an and. Mm. Because, you know, God is an abundant God. And he tells us we don't have the spirit of fear or timidity. He gives us a spirit of love, of power, and of self-discipline. The Holy Spirit gives us literal power, deutimous power, like explosive power through the Holy Spirit. So in one context, I don't think they're separate. 
But in another context, I think it's important to remember that even though they're not separate, there is a clear um, subordinate relationship there. The fulfillment of God, doing God's will, being obedient to God comes first, period, end of story. Our first calling is to, you know, be saved by grace through faith, live in obedience to Christ and bring others to, to the faith. That is always going to be our number one calling. But the calling subordinate to that, I believe it's Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, is that God set aside works for each of us to do. And he gave us each giftings and He's a master chess player. I always say that. He's very coordinated, right? And so he's not going to give you the wrong gifting for the wrong work and the wrong good. He's going to create you and give you the giftings and the experiences that are the perfect blend for the calling, the ministry in whatever avenue, whether it's secular or not. And so to me, the important thing to remember is that while I don't think they're a dichotomy, I don't think they're a versus. The fulfillment of God, obedience to God always comes first. And if it should be God's will that you have money and that you operate in power and that you, you know, have a high title, then so be it. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, that there are times where someone is called to a walk on water God experience that does not involve money and power and title, and it is still the best life you will live with or without the career, with or without the money. I have seen, I have seen Christians afraid of success. I've seen Christians afraid to make money and afraid to have a platform because they've seen other, because they've seen other people misuse it. And I said, and I said, one, their story doesn't have to be their story because excuse me, their story doesn't have to be your story. Mm -hmm. And I also remind them that if God gave you, you know, money is not, evil it is the worship of money it is the yes. turning money into the an idol it's what you do with your money it's what you mm-hmm. do with your time you know money can be used as a tool to bring god honor and glory or dishonor just like anything else to feed widows but, feed the fatherless i mean you need money to do that and you can use your income and your success or your title to be a blessing to other people instead mm-hmm. of making it an idol but we also don't want to downplay either the platform and the and the situation that or the situation that God has put us in. Yeah. You know, I know I know CEOs, I know custodians, I know chefs, I know you name it, serving the Lord, income from one end of the spectrum to the other, and you can see the joy of the Lord over all of them. <laughs> over yes. all of them. You wouldn't know that one is making fifteen dollars an hour and one is making six figures a year. Like you wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to 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 tell the difference from talking to them. Yeah. You know? So I it's, think that I think you nailed it. You know, I think that obedience to God, just be obedient to whatever he's calling you to do and the blessings will follow. Yes. So So good. So good. So you also have a podcast to add this to the list of things that you do. Clearly you don't have do clearly you're just not busy at all during the day. No, um, I don't sleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't either. I'm I'm working on it though. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> We blink every once in a while, you know. Every now and again, I close my eyes for about seven minutes. Um, <laughs> so, what topics do you cover on your on your podcast? Is it an extension of your of your career coaching business, or is it something something different? Yeah, it's very much an extension of the career coaching. It's actually called the Uncommon Career 
podcast, very original. <laughs> um, but we cover, or I cover career, faith, and mindset topics. And more than anything, it's like the intersection of career, faith, and mindset, similar to what we've been talking about today. You know, God's calling on your life, um, scripture, and what the word has to say about us following our calling. Um, and then what scripture has to say about us and our identity that will help us walk our calling out with confidence. Okay, there we go. Yeah. We'll make sure we put that link down there as well so so folks can can tune in. So sweet. Um, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is getting ready to start out their career? Start out as in like a recent graduate. Recent, I mean, I guess in well, yeah, we'll you know, we'll, we'll narrow it down. Let's say recent graduate or yeah, we'll we'll start there. Just that way I'm thinking more about how do you start a solid foundation so they can kind of prevent mm-hmm. some of the testimonies like the one I just gave where I took the wrong job, got rebuked and had to pray, that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> so. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, first and foremost is, you know, bring prayer into it. That's that's the biggest thing, you know, whether or not I mean, I can make the case all day long for why you need a career coach, but you mm-hmm. need God first. <laughs> so, if God's on your side, you know, that that is the number one thing. Um, I would say start by praying, you know, praying in terms of what your worries are, what your desires are, like just be upfront and honest with God. You know, like I'm praying about my career and I've done this where I get into my prayer closet and I'm just like, I'm fearful that if I ask you what you want me to do, you're going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. Like talk to him that way, give him all of that. And that sets out that foundation. Um, But the next thing is to figure out where you are mindset wise, identify Mm -hmm. like what your expectations are of the process of your career. What do you want your life to look like in 50 years? Especially if this is the foundation, the launching of your career, make sure you're not going in the way that everyone else is blindly going. Because right now, a lot of people are just blindly walking into, my major is this because I made a decision when I was 18 and now I'm stuck with this major. So now this is a job we all go into because the reality is you have a billion options, especially now with globalization and with technology. You can take, I can take pretty much any major and help you get into the tech industry. And that's because you've got different ways of getting in there because our entire world is dominated by tech. So if you're a history major, you think I can't do anything in tech. I'm a history major. Well, yes, you can. Hmm. You can go with the software development company that creates study guides for students in history. You can work at museums or do any sort of technology apps, et cetera. Duolingo, who's creating you know foreign language um, courses. A history major is going to be really helpful in some of those scenarios. So, so identify what your expectations are and make sure you're not inadvertently putting yourself in this box. Then look at your motives. What are your motives? Is it you want a lot of money? And why do you want a lot of money? And call those things out in yourself. You might be taking a job because you're fearful. You might be taking a job because, and let's be honest, this is that tough truth. You might be a little greedy. Right, And let's deal with that before we start making some decisions based on the wrong motives. Um, So I usually tell people, hey, do a pro and con list. You know, let's say you want to go into computer science. Okay, do I want to go into computer science and then do pro and con? And for everything you list as a pro, stop and reflect. What is my motive for this? And write the motive down next to it. And so at the end, you've got all your pros and cons, but you can clearly see what your motives are for your decision. That'll help you make a clearer decision. 
So then once you've got down that decision-making process, then it's time to build your network. So there's so many more steps outside of that, but the most, the one that I think is going to make the, just give you the biggest bang for your buck is hop onto LinkedIn, get connected with everyone and start to have conversations with folks. Mm. That's the most powerful thing you can do. I feel like this podcast is about to cost me a thousand dollars because I've got like 20 more questions now. I feel like you got, <laughs> I feel like you're about to charge me for this. So- no, no, no. What networking advice would you give to someone then, whether it's specific or general, just what networking advice would you give? And I know you just mentioned LinkedIn, but is there anything else as far as like, you know, your actual inner circle or, you know, Mm -hmm. other tools online? Like what advice would you give to someone? Yeah. So there's two things. One of them is um, like a, like a golden nugget, a strategy, very logistical. Um, But before that, the other one is sort of like a heart issue when a lot of us feel kind of, it might feel a little awkward to ask for that meeting. And what I have found is that it typically is awkward to ask for that networking meeting because you feel like you're asking for something. But if you think about it, every friendship that you've had, every genuine connection, genuine relationship is a relationship where you are invested in that person. Mm. So take that same role. You know, Let's say you find somebody and I'll, I'll walk you through it. Let's say you find somebody on LinkedIn and you don't yet know them, but imagine you're trying to build a friendship with them. Like what's some common ground that you have with that person? Look at their LinkedIn, their comments, their likes, maybe go on their website if they've got a website and then connect with them. And eventually you're going to message them with something that has to do with your common ground. So, hey, I noticed that you work at this company. I've had my eye on this company for so long. And then I also noticed that you... I don't know, like this comment and, or, you know, you're part of this group. That's a great way to do it. You're part of this group on LinkedIn. And then here's the thing. We get awkward about it because we're asking for something. So don't say, oh, can you tell me how to get into this field? I want to meet with you for 20 minutes. You actually want to invest in them as a friend, like you would any other friend. So instead you ask, I just think your journey is really inspiring and I want to learn about your journey. I want to learn how you got to where you are. And for a lot of people, that changes everything. It changes as a sender. It changes your perspective to where you're like, okay, let me get out of this selfish mindset because we all have it. Let me get out of this selfish mindset and let me get into a mindset of serving. And serving involves listening, like truly listening to a story and getting to know who they are. So that's the first the, the like heart piece that getting into that mindset changes everything. But now it's like, okay, well, how do I find someone that I have a connection with that's like super genuine without just randomly searching people? So here's what you're going to do. When you hop onto LinkedIn, you add all your people and then you add your schools, your places of employment, any organizations that you're associated with. Once you're added onto that, consider adding groups. So for example, for listeners of this podcast, Christian professionals group would be amazing because already you've got something in common. You've got other believers who like me and like you want to help each other to kind of rise up in the ranks. And so regardless how it is, you would then contact that person. Now, let's say it's a little bit difficult to get in contact with them. Then what you can do is say, okay, well, I'm going to try another avenue. On LinkedIn, you added your school, your place of employment, et cetera. You have billions of connections there. Maybe not billions, but 
hundreds of thousands of connections right. there. So now you're going to go to that institution. Let's say it's your university that you graduated from 10 years ago. It doesn't matter. 20 years ago, doesn't matter. The point is it's recognizable. So you go to that institution and then you start looking and you search within that institution. You search for people with jobs that you would want. And you're going to find, hey, Tom is in the job that you would want at the company you would want to work for. And guess what? You have something in common because you graduated from the same school. And so now you send them an email saying something like, hey, I am so excited to have found another cougar at, you know, that works at this in this store or this in this, you know, company. I'd love to chat with you. I'm actually looking forward to following your footsteps. Do you have 15 minutes of your time? Super, super simple. Um, but those are the two two ways that you can really improve your networking. Everybody listening just got a lot of game for free. So I hope everyone is taking notes and just go back and rewind everything you just said, because there's also something you said that I heard serving, listening, relationship building. Mm -hmm. That was that. That is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Um, I I often talk to leaders about if you want to be leading, you're serving, but you cannot listen to mm-hmm. respond you actually have to listen amen to listen. because <laughs> you, do. Listen, you have to yes. stop yeah because listening to respond is not actually listening at all and you're likely gonna about to misinterpret what the other person is saying um so it's so in good. relationship building it's it's hard to hear someone's heart if you are um listening to respond because you're not there's a chance that what they're saying is not what they're like you got to listen to what their heart is saying. Sometimes people are saying one thing, but if you listen closely, you can hear the undertone of their heart. So, oh, that's beautiful. So, I'm gonna hang. Let me just sit with that for a second. Don't worry. I'm gonna. Don't worry. You're gonna so get. Good. This is gonna be. I'll send you the audio of this. Don't worry. You'll have it. You'll have it. You'll have it. You'll have, <laughs> it. You'll have, it. You'll have all these notes. You have all these notes. So that's awesome. How um how do because you, you do a lot of pouring out obviously through your coaching. So how do you stay filled up and avoid burnout? Yeah. This is good. This is so good. Such a good question. So, um, you know, I've started on this journey, especially with the business where I feel like, and I've just realized you're ministering to me as we speak, because I've just realized this is something God's doing on purpose that I used Mm -hmm. to strive a lot. Even when I was in the, you know, really good positions, there was still this sense of striving, not so much from the job, but more just from like me on the inside kind of thing. Like I just always had to work for my worth type of deal. And I feel like in this season, I do, I feel like God's like, stop. Mm. Like I'm going to build the house unless the God builds the house, the labors work in vain. And he's Come like on. constantly reminding me of that, you know, where I work from eight to noon and then I have to take a lunch. And when I don't want to, what I remember is nothing I do in this hour is going to be effective. Nothing I do in this, it's all in vain because God's not in it. God called me to take a break. And we've decided in my prayer time that it's going to be a lunch hour from noon to one. Very reasonable. But for some reason, a lot of us just skip over things that are reasonable and necessary like a Sabbath and we don't take our rest. But I'm just learning that when we take our rest, it's recognizing that our provision comes from God, not from my work. And so I'm just kind of trying to humble myself and being like, if I step away from the work, God will still multiply what I've done and I'm trusting him for it. And so that's what I do. I take a one hour lunch, just literally turn everything off, make my lunch, play with my dogs, just kind of hang out. Um, And then 
in the evenings and in the mornings, I read my Bible, you know, talk to friends. And that's the biggest thing. Man, there is nothing better than having friends that value your relationship with Christ more than their relationship with you. Like friends that call me and say, hey, I heard this, this, and that. Or, hey, you said this on the podcast. We need to talk about this. Is this what you meant? Like they will call me out pretty directly on stuff and tell me, hey, are did you watch this movie? You you said you watched this movie, but I just saw the ratings and I don't think that movie's going to be any good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's silly. It sounds so silly, right? But I need someone and I want someone to be calling me out on that stuff, especially as, you know, we let's be honest, we're growing audiences here. And so that accountability is extremely important because I'm like, dear God, don't let this business grow faster than my character grows. And I think that's part of what my friends help with. I'm grateful for the people who listen in every week and then just text me like, yo, this was really good. Mm -hmm. Or I Mm -hmm. didn't agree or I didn't agree with this when you, when you said it, or, um, you know, my friend Ingrid really encouraged me not to go bi-weekly and she said, God will provide. And it's funny because actually I don't even Wait, know. not to go bi-weekly or what do you say that again so for the podcast I was actually getting ready to take this show because we're weekly right now and I was going to go bi-weekly and so is that uh once every two weeks or two two times every week it would be twice a month in some capacity um okay. and I I was really toying with the idea I didn't even have the details down for it so it'd be basically every other Monday is what it was going to come out to okay um and she said, you know, no. And she was just like, I have no, not only did she say, I have no interest in your podcast going bi-weekly or going every <laughs> other Monday. Um, I think it's every, I think it comes out to like every other Monday. She basically said, she's like, God will provide. Amen. And since she actually said that, and she might be hearing this for the first time, I now have like 14 episodes that are currently stored up in the bank. We're moving, like it's, it's crazy the amount of how far ahead going into 2023 or if this launches mm-hmm. in 2023 this year where where we where we actually are sitting with guests for this show already so um wow for the isn't, first it, time, isn't it interesting how she just spoke that into your life i mean that's amazing ag- aggressively nonetheless but she was right so um <laughs> we need those people like we, we need, need those, those aggressive people. people please god bring more aggressive people to us <laughs> we need those people to just give us the truth because like i said i don't yeah. got time for the fluffy stuff just give it to me straight so i can move on i don't i don't need the cute just tell me what i gotta do all right just i gotta tell go me yeah. what to do. <laughs> tell what i gotta do you might have just touched on this but i'm curious now so what is the most important lesson you've learned in your career or maybe just a key lesson because they're all probably obviously they're all important because you know, God is letting things take place to help build you up. But what's what's a key lesson or an important lesson you've learned in your career up until this point? Um, yeah, I, the biggest lesson, and I always keep thinking. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I you know you always keep looking for this like amazing lesson. Yeah. Um, this amazing key point to leave everybody with, but it's actually pretty simple, and it hasn't changed. If you get your mindset in the right place, if your thought process, if your heart, like the root of everything is in the right place, everything else will flow. The thing that I work on the most, yeah, we hop on and look at your resume. Yeah, we hop on and you look at your LinkedIn and that'll look beautiful. Trust me, we'll get that to look really good. But the point is to get you in a space that if you lost that resume, if you butchered that interview, 
you know yourself now. Your identity is strong. You are bold. You're courageous. You are confident so that you're like, that's okay. There's more of that where that came from. That's me. I didn't have to buy it so that now I have to buy it again. Like, no, it's who you are. And so now you can go on hundreds of interviews because you just get asked questions and you answer them. So the mindset and your thought process is by far the most important thing to work on. Hmm. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. For sure. So I ask every guest these next couple of questions because I just I'm I'm I love the response and I love the variation of of the responses. So um how would you describe your personal relationship with Jesus now and how important is it to you? Oh, you're getting like in there. You're getting yeah. in there. Just, okay. a, just, a, just a little bit. of Just just a little. Just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. So my personal <laughs> relate. I have never answered this question before. My personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So it used to be one of authority. And it is. It still very much is. Like he is wholly set apart, you know, to be glorified and to be worshipped. Um, but I feel like it's changing to where he's my best friend to where we like talk to each other throughout the day and to where I'm like, Jesus, I don't know if I like this website. What do you think? You know, like (laughs) I know it sounds funny, but I've just have gotten to this place. Praise the Lord that he has met me is what I should say that he has met me in this place where it's almost as if he's saying, you know, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. It's almost as if he's saying, like, the more you come after me, the more I will show up. And and he, I'm going to get emotional. He's just, I can't come after him enough, you know, because, again, the more I go after him, the more he shows up. And I'm like, I don't even know if I can handle anymore, but I'm still speeding up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just it's just a beautiful thing. Um, and it affects my daily life in every possible situation. Like I literally am typing and I lose track of time, but I'm typing and I just feel a God nudge. It's noon. Go take your lunch, you know, or it's, you know, you haven't drank water. I mean, it's, I know it sounds so silly, but I just, I get those little nudges throughout my day. And I'm like, God, I, I can't even live my, I can't even live a healthy life without you. I can't live my day to day without you. Um, So that's, I think that's how I would describe it right now. I don't know if that was a good first attempt or not. (laughs) No, it's those things don't sound crazy to me at all because I've, I've said these things on this podcast before. I'm like, Mm. I don't think there is anything too small or too big for God. Maybe we sometimes can limit God of what he can do because of our minds that we like, Oh, I want this. And he's like, I have so much more for you over here. But I believe yes. God, I believe God is in every detail. And I simple example, like I remember God specifically telling me, like, and I don't mean an audible in my ear. I mean, I, I just knew it in my nor when he told me, I need you to unprivate your Instagram page. These things sound crazy to people, but yeah. my page was private trying to run a business and no one could really see the person who was contacting them. I just didn't think it looked right that I'm sending out messages and reaching out to people and they couldn't see the person behind Redwood. You know, that they couldn't mm-hmm. really see how I'm living my life and how I'm living out, you know, because they're getting these messages to be on the show or or volunteer for this or or make a donation. It's like, who is this? Who is this person? Hmm. And I'm noticing and I've just noticed that ever since God told me that I'm just noticing certain things that has been opening up ever since that's that's taken place. So wow. um, that's I, pretty just, cool. I hadn't even thought about that, to be honest with you. 
it's it was hard for me because just like of of my past but you know it was it was hard but i i did it at like two or three o'clock in the morning so no one would notice that it happened uh, so, um, so you're like i'm gonna be obedient but let's let's yeah, start just, slow i into it. you know what i think i'm gonna actually do i might go do some devotions on obedience today i think i got some issues just come on this podcast <laughs> don't we all i some mean the, yeah but i'm only gonna speak to me right now because clearly i'm not above approach in this area so i'm just gonna deal with me real quick <laughs> that's funny just gonna talk yeah. to me real quick so how do you stay kingdom minded and keep the kingdom a priority yeah i think you know i think up until this point being super transparent you know i started this business less than a year ago um went full-time in it less than six months ago right around five six months um and so i think in that sense i consider myself a baby in Mm. that you know, whereas before that, God's like working on me. Everything's about me. It's like when you're in college, all this personal development and you're like, yeah, I'm growing. <laughs> but then you get to your career, right? And eventually you get into a management position and all of a sudden it's it's not about you at all. It's only about you in terms of getting your fuel. But the rest of it, that's 20%. The rest of it is serving other people and being mindful of the big picture. And that's how I see it. Now I'm like, need to be mindful of the kingdom of God, like the big picture in a way that I wasn't aware of it before. Everything from how do you tithe from a business income or revenue or profit or, you know, all the way down to the tiny decisions um, in terms of how I spend my time, um, how I decide, uh, you know, together along with the client, if we're going to move forward with coaching or tiny decisions. Um, and so I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a baby when it comes to that. And right now, what I'm doing is that in part of my devotional, I pray for the business and when there's big decisions, like especially decisions like who do I partner with, what do I give to, where do I minister, how much time do I spend there? Like I I go to God because I'm like, I have no idea, God. I have no idea how to do any of this. And so one decision at a time, that will be my answer. One decision at a time. Amen. No, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. What motivates you? What motivates me? It's going to sound cheesy, but just right now, it's just, it's doing the will of God. Come on. That's good. There's, there's just nothing. There's just nothing better. There's just nothing yeah. better. That's good. So why do you do what you do? Um, I do what I do because before I was a Christian and even when I was a Christian, I didn't know what it meant like to run after God. I didn't know what it meant like to not be in survival mode. I didn't know what it meant like to feel confident in myself. I was in a good job, but still feeling like I just wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And I would have loved to have someone reach out and do what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And I had mentors. God sent mentors um, that did similar work in my life. And it just, it did. It changed my entire life. I don't know where I would be in prison. I don't know. I don't know where I would be. Um, and so that's what motivates me is is helping people just to walk, to walk this life with God and do so on a Monday through Friday as well. That's good. Amen. Yeah. This brings us to the final segment of the show. This has been a pleasure to have you on here. I'm going to ha- we got to get you back on here. We got to get you It'll back. It'll be fun. It's, it's always fun kind of like doing these podcasts and stuff and just listening to your story. I actually want to hear more of your story. So you let me know what episode that's in so I can listen in. 
That will be, uh, I'm going to spill the beans now. Um, yes. That You're welcome, is everybody. likely going to be the first episode of the new year. Um, so whatever that first Monday is in January of 2023 is that's okay. going to come up. So, uh, awesome. that's coming. That's coming. Um, and in the event that this episode happens to air after that, I will send you the link for that episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sweet. Put um, it in the show notes. <laughs> as as I as I mentioned, I'm if I could give anybody any podcast advice, figure out figure out what your sweet spot is for having episodes stored up in the bank. They need to figure that out. I thought for me it was four to six. It is not. I need at least 10. So <laughs> there um, you go. I need I need at least um like a, a good two months two two and a half months just in case just because of you know my current career situation you know so for but sure. for sure that brings us to the final episode we have to get you back on to talk about something topical we got to get you because there you have you are a wealth of knowledge you this has been very inspirational like my i'm encouraged by this conversation today so i hope everyone listening is too so thank you so much for your transparency and just your yes to god this is our let them know segment. This is where you can share anything you like, whether it's an upcoming event, whether you have a, a show you want to promote, a word from yeah. God. Patricia, this is your moment to let the audience know. So let them know. All right. So first and foremost, I just I just feel like I'm just going to say it. Um, a pastor, as much as I love pastors, listening to a sermon, worship song. It's not the same as getting into your word. So just get into your word, make sure it's a direct line between you and Jesus and the sermon and the 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 you know the YouTube videos, the worship songs, all of that, all of that is icing. All of that is a different perspective that's opening up and how you see God, but make sure you have that direct connection. Okay. I just I'm sorry, I just had to say that. But um other than that, I do have a podcast. It's the Uncommon Career Podcast. Um, it's relatively new, so I would love it if you hop on there. And it's just me and you having a chat. Every once in a while, we do have some guests come on. Um, but I just help you to get into that mindset to help you overcome any situation you might have to get into your career. And I also help you do it with that heavy dose of faith and scripture to make sure that you're going in the direction God wants you to go. I also have a career academy that's going to be launching either late 2022 or early 2023, where we work as a group of faith-based professionals to get into those career moves. Um, it is definitely more of the DIY route. And so if you do want to have that one-on-one -on -one intensive um, coaching experience that is truly life-changing and gets you into a higher salary, then head over to theuncommoncareer.com. And I've got one-on-one -on -one coaching there. Uh, you can do a consult so we can have a chat first, make sure that we're a good fit. And if you and I both agree, then we'll get something on the books. This is phenomenal. Thank you so much. We will make sure we put all of that out there. Could I ask you to do one more thing before we go? Yes, sir. Would you mind closing us in prayer, please? Oh, absolutely. I would love nothing better. <laughs> Thank you so all much. Right. Dear Lord God. Father, I just, I thank you for this man of God that is bringing people together to bring you glory, Lord. I thank you for every beautiful listener that's out there that is wondering if you're real or is wondering if you've forgotten about them. I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would show your presence to them, that you would help them to see your glory, Lord God. 
I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that each of us would be able to put down any sense of pride, any sense of fear or worry. These things weren't meant to be in us, Father God. And I pray that you would replace those things with your love, the love of Christ, that you would replace them with power and love and a sober mind, Lord God. And I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would take care of every single person in your kingdom, Father, in all of our communities and in the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all this. And we pray a explosive blessing on this podcast, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And Lord, I just want to lift up my, my sister Patricia to you now, Father. I thank you for everything you're doing in her and through her. I pray that you just continue to just give her eyes to see and ears to hear the things that you want her to do and where you want her to go, Lord. I thank you for the open doors in her life that no man will be able to shut. I thank you for the closed doors and no man will be able to open, Father. I thank you for just the expansion of her territory, Lord. I thank you for just the influence that you're about to, to just give her. I thank you for just every need that will be met and supplied by you. So I thank you for everything you're about to do in her life. I thank you for the testimony that's going to come from, from her business and all of her endeavors. I thank you. She's more than a conqueror that she can do all things through Christ who strengthens her, that he who was in her is greater than he who was in the world. And I thank you now that you're going to be faithful to complete the work that you started in her father. So I just want, again, just come with this spirit of thanksgiving now in Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Sister, thank you so much for doing the show today. I am uplifted and encouraged. Like I'm ready. I think I'm I'm about to go see if I can read the whole Bible for this day is over after talking to you right now. This was good. This was good. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Thank you so much for doing the show today. I appreciate it. And I will, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. So thank you once again, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy, enjoy the holiday season. And I will talk to you soon. You too. We'll see y'all soon.